Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Laura Friedman. I'm the president of the Foundation for Middle East Peace. Today is Friday, October 22nd, and I am honored to have with me today on very, very short notice two esteemed colleagues from Israel and Palestine, Sarit Mikhaili, who is the International Advocacy Officer of B'Tselem, the Israeli Human Rights Organization, and Inez Abdurazik, who is the Advocacy Director for the Palestine Institute for Public Diplomacy, PIPD. And full bios will be posted along with this podcast, so I'm not going to go through them now. Um, I asked Inez and Sari to join me again on very short notice to talk about what today is um, huge and, and very alarming uh, news um, out of Israel, which is uh, the announcement that the Israeli Ministry of Defense has determined that it is, it is declaring um, a group of human rights organizations to be terrorist organizations. And these are human rights defenders, effectively. Um, and, and this is... Uh, I will quote a, recent, a tweet I just saw from Israeli uh, lawyer Michael Sfard, who called this, quote, a declaration of war on the entire human rights community. And I don't think he's overstating it. So, sorry, Inez, thank you for agreeing to join me on such notice. It's already very late on your side of the world, so we're going to dive right in. So, Sarit, I want to start with you. Um, can you just very quickly talk in broad brushstrokes? This is, this is for the crowd that is not expert on this. Talk about what happened today. Well, today um, uh, the announcement was made by the Ministry of Defense, uh, Minister of Defense uh, Benny Gantz, uh, of his declaration uh, of these six Palestinian human rights organizations as terror organizations. It was clearly organized in advance. I don't know why they chose a Friday to release it. It's um, a day off for us today. Uh, and the Ministry of Defense also released their press, their uh, their. PR people released uh, a, like a dossier on each one of these organizations, uh, including in three languages, uh, Hebrew, uh, Arabic, and English, including various accusations against each one of them, uh, uh, de uh, targeting them, or de declaring that these organizations are fronts effectively for the Palestinian, uh, uh, the popular front for liberation of Palestine. Uh, this was uh, came out uh, at lunchtime, clearly, um, a really um, shocking and, uh, and first time development um, for this kind of action against Palestinian human rights organizations. Uh, there's, Israel very often declares various Palestinian groups to be terror organizations or, or uh, illegal or, or uh, unpermitted uh, un, uh, uh, um, uh, organizations, associations, but um, these kinds of human rights groups that have been, I should also say, smeared and harassed and um, attacked by uh, the Israeli authorities and also by these Israeli government-identified uh, groups uh, have never been placed on the terror register. This is effectively what uh, they have done now. Um, and this is clearly uh, absolutely shocking uh, action. Um, I should just say right now, obviously, that uh, I send my personal solidarity and obviously B'Tselem's solidarity to all of our colleagues uh, in Palestinian organizations who are going to have to deal with this kind of official harassment um, and beyond harassment of, of official hounding um, that has now gone up a, another level in terms of the uh, ability of the authorities to use a, a whole range of tools in order to uh, stop the the actions, to stop the activities, and to to uh, to harm these organizations. 
Thanks. That, that's a great lead off. Inez, I want to come to you to talk about who the groups are involved in this, because we're talking about six specific groups, some of them extremely high profile. And I will say, I, I tweeted about this this morning. This is something, a phenomenon I've long, I've long called it has not gone viral. I don't know why, because it's so catchy. I call this six degrees of terrorist contamination, because what we're talking about here are groups that nobody, not even the Israeli government, is alleging are engaging in financing, supporting, inciting, really doing anything that actually relates to terrorism. They're basically saying, gotcha, we gotcha on some kind of technicality. So can you talk about the groups that are impacted by today's um, announcements? Yes, um, it's it's a very tough day, and I've you know I've been speaking to friends and, and colleagues who work in these organizations, um, and I, I really want to say it's uh, it's terrible, but unfortunately it's not new, and it's 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 something that's just another level in the criminalization, and so yes, these organizations are prominent, you know, um, NGOs or uh, centers in in Palestinian civil society. Uh, they work in different streams, whether it's uh, agriculture and the rights of farmers, in women's rights, uh, in documenting widely, uh, you know, Israel violations of international law and human rights, like Al-Haq, and, you know, many of them exist since the 70s. So we're not talking about also like new organizations that have emerged uh, yesterday. Um, so, and, and there are organizations that, yeah, I think are doing an essential job in actually trying to hold Israel to account and hold you know, and, and monitor and document um, the reality, which unfortunately is, is part of this process of criminalization. I think a big part of what is happening uh, right now is, is obviously that these organizations feels like a threat to Israel that is trying to hide and trying to, you know, get away with uh, tremendous violence and illegality and unlawful practices uh, in in Palestine and uh, even on the other side of the green line, so I think uh, you know they, they they're seen as a threat. And I think right now, what Israel is saying is that they finally kind of are willing to to criminalize them under Israeli law. So I mean, what what you're saying? I mean, it's, it's interesting. It sounds like what you're saying is that these groups are being targeted because they are effective in challenging Israeli policies. And this was the hook that is that is used. And I think that certainly stands up to what, what we've seen if you, you look at the work for years of groups like NGO Monitor, I mean, the groups that, that, that get the most wrath are the ones that actually are the most effective and, and, and in some ways the most um, respected as well, mainstream, like Al-Haq. Um, Inez, I want you to talk a little bit more, and I know this is this is this is something that's very specific, but I mean, can you talk more about where this fits in to the broader attacks that we've been seeing now for years on the legitimacy of work for human rights defenders, civil society, and what a lot of us in this space call the, the shrinking space um, for human rights defenders on Palestine. Yes, as you say, I think these organizations are doing a, a, an immense job uh, in trying to basically expose the reality and trying to condemn and in trying to have the international community react and hold Israel, but also the Palestinian Authority for its human rights violations to account. And, um, and what is happening, I think the, you know, the Israeli authorities, it's very clear, it's been at play for several years now, uh, through, you know, whether it's through the Ministry of Strategic Affairs or the Ministry of Foreign Affairs or the, the, the Ministry of Justice and all the authorities, and also related NGOs and lawfare groups outside, 
are trying to criminalize those groups. And I think the, the tactic is as follows. One is to silence them, two also to try and chill and, and, and kind of uh, make sure that their international support, whether it's donors, funders, or supporters are removing their support to them. And three, also, uh, you know, get these organizations to spend the energy in defending themselves instead of spending the energy where it's needed in, in trying to fight apartheid and trying to fight the occupation and trying to confront and document uh, these violations. And I think it's, it's unfortunately, I can, I can say that partly it has been successful. We can see the chilling effect and the, and the questioning from international supporters, but also the tremendous you know, energy that uh, needs to be spent. And these organizations, it's important to say, are not the first to be uh, kind of categorized as terrorists under Israeli law. Like one of the recent ones is the Health Workers Committee. It's an NGO that's also quite prominent. Their director, Shadda is currently under administrative detention, which is basically arbitrary detention where Israel just put you in jail for um, you know, no, no reason without charges. Um, some of the staff of the, the organizations that are now have been labeled today uh, have been uh, jailed. Uh, some of their offices have been raided by the army and their assets seized and so on. So this has been ongoing and it has been indeed, as you said, well-documented, uh, both from where are the sources of these attacks and what are the consequences and the impact on these NGOs? And unfortunately, this means that the space for Palestinian society, civil society, political fabric, social fabric to exist and human rights defense to exist is, is tremendously under attack and unfortunately has a, a wider, I think, political consequences on, on the reality. Yeah, I mean, and what's also, I mean, what's striking, and, and I think that's very powerfully stated, that I want to, for people who are listening, I want to remind them that what this also does is it deflects from discussions about the facts that these organizations are raising. We saw this in Washington, um, it was a couple of years ago with um, Betty McCollum's bill on the rights of children, where rather than really deal with the facts that she was raising, it became an attack on the organizations that were involved, which I think was DCI, Palestine and UNICEF. It's essentially this logical fallacy will discredit the source and then we won't be forced to deal with the facts that frankly, you can't discredit because these are facts, many of them facts that are, you know, you can trace them down to Israeli government statistics. It's not, this isn't made up. Um, Sarit, I want to talk to you and ask you to talk. So B'Tselem came out with one of the first public responses um, to this announcement. I want you to talk us through that response and we will put a link to it in this mm -hmm. post, but it, it's, an, it's an extraordinarily powerful statement, um, which I, I, I just want you to talk us through B'Tselem's approach in, re in responding to this. Yeah, so I mean, B'Tselem's res uh, response was that Israel's changed government's designation, uh, change in inverted commas, unfortunately, uh, of Palestinian human rights organizations as terror organizations is not uh, merely declarative. It's an act characteristic of totalitarian regimes with the clear purpose of shutting down these organizations. Uh, and then uh, we stated that war is not peace, Ignorance is not strength, and the current Israeli government is not one of change, but rather of a continuation of the violent apartheid regime that's been in place for many years between the Jordan River Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea. 
And then uh, B'Tselem also added that it stands in solidarity with our Palestinian colleagues and is proud of our joint work over the years and is steadfast to continue to do so. Uh, maybe this actually connects uh, a little bit to what you said earlier about facts, Lara, because this whole Orwellian attitude uh, uh, about uh, the reality is very much uh, uh, reflected in the attitude towards fact. There is an absolute rejection and denial of the basic facts as we uh, all and the, the entire international community accept them regarding the occupation and regarding Israel's apartheid regime and what is happening uh, under it. I mean, I think uh, only this week uh, we heard a, a reject or a denial uh, of the Israeli ambassador in the UN, Gil Adardan, of the mere existence of settler violence, which has been documented, uh, you know, uh, immensely. I've been at um, B'Tselem for 17 years now, and there has not been a, a, a probably a month in the first 10 years and not a week gone by in the last seven years of my uh, uh, presence at the organization that I have not seen or published some sort of information about credible, detailed information about settler violence that is backed, that is orchestrated, organized, assisted by the state. So the ability of Israel's uh, ambassador to the UN to actually simply deny this fact, uh, it connects uh, directly to this whole uh, notion of, um, you know, denying the occupation, right? Denying the work uh, or the obligations of Israel. I mean, that's even, it's ridiculous to even begin to refer to these obligations. Clearly Israel shirks them. Um, and I think it's very important uh, to have uh, this, this approach. Now, I also should uh, say that the B'Tselem is also focusing on the political context within Israel of this uh, uh, designation. We have uh, members of Meretz and of Iran in our change government, in the Israeli coalition. Um, this um, has been, uh, you know, a focus of a lot of internal political debate on whether on, on uh, the kind of change that uh, uh, this new government brought. And I think this clarifies again and again that the change is absolutely unrelated to anything to do with the occupation, right? The policies are the same, the same people who have been implementing the policies are the same, except for now there's also a fig leaf in the uh, form of our Minister of Foreign Affairs, Yair Lapid, who this week, as far as I understood it, uh, um, told foreign diplomats, told uh, foreign diplomats during meetings that there, Israel will not build uh, new settlements, right? Or that there was not going to be construction in settlements, clearly on the same week where Israel approves thousands of new settlement units. So this is, I think, an issue that we internally have to deal with, but that also the international community needs to be aware of. Uh, finally, I think, uh, and this is, I am sure and absolutely certain that I'm not speaking only on behalf of myself or of B'Tselem, but also of our entire community, right? The community of human rights organizations in Israel, uh, if, focusing on the occupation of showing a really uh, steadfast uh, and, and, and clear uh, messages of solidarity with these Palestinian organizations. Um, for what it's worth, I mean, it's not a secret that our position within Israeli society is not exactly uh, incredible currently, um, but I think uh, uh, showing the uh, both the kind of like security establishment, but also the kind of organizations, the kind of occupation denial, apartheid denial organization like NGO Monitor, etc., that we are simply not cowered by their um, threats and accusations and guilt by association uh, 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 smear campaigns 
uh, as a community is very, very important. I think we've been under um, a lot of uh, pressure, uh, you know, for the last God knows how many years, since about 2009 and, and beforehand as a community, I mean, as Israeli human rights groups, but it's uh, absolutely nothing. It's, I mean, the, the, the level of risk that Palestinian human rights uh, defenders are currently under is nowhere near what we as Israelis have to deal with. And I think that's also a very important dimension, right? We are uh, extremely privileged um, in our current society where we intend to use as much as we can to make our voice heard uh, about this issue. Thanks. And I, I will say I've been heartened this morning, um, this morning, my time, seeing the responses from the Israeli um, human rights community and some in the U.S. as well. Inez, I want you to talk a little bit from your perspective as a Palestinian about this broader context of, you know, delegitimizing Palestinian voices. Um, I've talked for years about what I call the pincer action between using the six degrees of terrorist contamination and um, false claims of anti-Semitism as sort of the, you know, then you, you sort of manage to capture everything and, and try to kill everything with that. Can you talk more about these challenges and and if you want to even broaden out a little bit to the social media what we're seeing with you know the ira definition the international holocaust remembrance alliance's definition you know this this broader effort to to effectively erase palestinian perspectives from the narrative entirely yes I think, by the way uh, along with palestinian perspectives facts facts and palestinian perspectives yeah, exactly. I think I think what's very exhausting for Palestinians, right, is to is to live. I think this violence every day, right, to have to go through uh, the permit regime, the wall, the violence of the army or the police, uh, the subjugation. Uh, you're born unequal with unequal rights. All of this, you know, you have to face this this tremendous violence, but you have to face this violence and yet prove your humanity and try to convince people that you're human enough that you deserve those rights, those fundamental rights, like any human being. And I think that's very, that that's extremely um, exhausting. And unfortunately it's working because all of what these attacks do, whether it's accusing of our you know, friends of anti-Semitism or Palestinians of terrorism, et cetera, is, is exactly like those groups are, are doing like narrative manipulation. They're using, uh, you know, this psychological uh, manipulation of gaslighting, like making you question, as Sarit said, it's very Orwellian. It's like this dystopian thing where uh, you are, uh, you know, your your reality is questioned, and you have to, you know, it's like oh, it's victim blaming. Like as a victim, you're asked to to actually just question you even your own perception of reality, and this is uh, this is affecting the the entire society, and it's 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 very dangerous. And I would say the most, obviously, the most disheartening is to see that the international community and governments are listening, right? And I think the uh, what we've seen is that, yes, we have seen some sort of support, but we also have seen definitely governments and politicians listening to NGO Monitor, listening and making, like, taking credibly all this uh, information and these narratives. And that's what's very disheartening. And I think where, uh, you know, Palestinians would expect that people see behind this manipulation. And, and so I think, you know, on the ground, the struggle continues, like Palestinians still want their rights, still want to be free, but they have this additional layer of uh, trying to convince that, you know, their reality and the facts are not manipulated. 
Um, and so, yes, I think that has been, you know, the case for uh, criminalizing from the BDS movement to human rights defenders. And it's, it, it, it's pretty wide in the society. And that means that Palestinians have lost some space. And, you know, the, again, the Western powers and governments that have an impact, whether it's the US or, or Europe, that have an impact here on the, also the existence of these organizations that are under attack in Israel or from Israel, um, they, they also control and, and, the, and the platforms on social media are there, they're in the US and these platforms also use definitions of terrorism and of, you know, perceptions of certain words or, you know, that are definitely, you know, from their perspective and with, with a very Western approach to this. So I would say that um, it's, I think, as you said, I think if we take a step back, this is not only uh, in Palestine, right? There is, there is a, a trend also in authoritarian regimes these days to also use this guise lighting and manipulation of facts and truth and and so we're, we're we're living that every day, and I think the the, the for me the it all goes back to the impunity. Why does Israel today think on a today on a Friday that they can do that? Uh, it's because of the impunity, because they entrench apartheid, they colonize more, they take more land, they take more of our rights, uh, and you know the international community says you know fine, you know like we'll issue a few statements of condemnations will say a few words that it's bad, that it's against international law and against human rights. But you know what? Continue to violate international law and human rights, you'll get away with it and you'll get like peace agreements with your neighbors and we'll make friends again with you. Uh, don't worry about that. We'll continue to give you military aid and, 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 and trade uh, weapons. So, you know, that, that impunity is what fuels further uh, attacks and, and is, a, is the fuel that continues to uh, you know, perpetuate that, 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 um, the shrinking of, of, of our space. Yeah. I mean, it, it's what you're saying about the gaslighting and also the, the victim blaming, because it's striking if you, if you listen to, um, we keep mentioning NGO monitor, I should say to folks, I'm not going to put a link to NGO monitor with this podcast, but if you want to check their website, what you'll see is that NGO monitor in effect, using the six degrees of terrorist contamination and claims that, you know, BDS is anti-Semitism and all that effectively have deemed the entire Palestinian NGO human rights defender sector to be um, to be radioactive, and they that that's that's it's clear. There is no Palestinian group that would be acceptable unless it's a group that actually becomes a Zionist organization and defends Israel from Palestinian protests. Then that would be an okay group. Um, and the the use of of the the terrorism claim here. And, you know, I, I've talked about this in the past. We, you know, terrorism used to mean actually supporting, financing, inciting, committing violence and against civilians. Um, and then it became diplomatic terrorism. If you go to the UN, it's economic terrorism. If you boycott, it's journalistic terrorism. If you write articles, and now if you defend human rights, it's human rights defenders terrorism by making Israel uncomfortable and looking bad. But then that always allows Israel to say we are the victim of the horrible human rights defenders who are daring to talk about facts we don't want them to talk about. Um, Inez, at the end of your last comment, you talked about the international community a little bit, and I wanna, I wanna zero in on that. Um, you know, this is, there was an article the other day about Gaza, and we've talked about this amongst ourselves a lot, I think, this idea that in some ways, intentionally or not, you know, the Palestinian, the Gaza, Gaza and the West Bank, or where Israel is in control over Palestinians, has become almost a laboratory 
for, for testing and perfecting illiberal policies, right? Illiberal policies that then have a, a kosher stamp of having come out of a, you know, the, the strongest ally of the, the ally of the US and all that out of Israel. Like Israel's kosher stamp is on some really problematic illiberal policies. In terms of resisting this, you know, what do you hope to see from the international community? This seems to now be a test, right? If for years it was, well, we know NGO Monitor is active in Brussels, you know, we can, you know, I know other groups are putting out competing reports and trying to compete for the narrative. Now we actually have a, a, a pass-fail test um, in terms of what people do to resist. Can you talk about what you hope to see or what you maybe expect to see and really what the stakes are a little bit more for human rights defenders and for particularly I'm thinking about Europe, um, but also the US. And Sarik, get ready, I'm coming to you next. Similar question. Um, a, a very short and simple answer is, uh, you know, we expect the, the US and European government to stop being complicit and like to, to literally look inward into their policies, where their money goes, where their support goes, and trying to make sure that they don't support uh, Israel's apartheid. And, and even if they don't want to recognize the reality that this is apartheid, uh, you know, just recognize that they've been violating international law and human rights for uh, decades. And I think until, you know, impunity ends, nothing will change. And, and I think the, you know, the way, obviously for, for Palestinians to resist that, uh, because we're not asking charity, it's not like for the international community to liberate the Palestinians, but at least don't be complicit in, you know, in, in incorporating and, and, and facilitating uh, the, our, our, our oppressor. So I think it's, it's uh, you know, it's give us our space. Like, you know, give, uh, we want our agency, like Palestinians want their agency to decide what's happening in Gaza is that it's an entire population, you know, Palestinians in Gaza are denied an economy, they're denied dignity, they're denied life, they're denied the possibility to be with their peers, you know, to be with other Palestinians elsewhere. Uh, and so the sense of connection. So. Uh, years and years have also uh, deeply affected Palestinian society, which is very fragmented. It's very, you know, divided. It's broken. And, you know, despite that, we managed to come with so much energy to speak out, uprise. Um, but, you know, it's, this is not, should not be taken for granted because often we're asked, so where's the political alternative? You know, when when are you going to to have a new democratic government or, you know, uh, and, and I'm like, well, do you see like every day what's what's like the obstacles that are being put to simply just uh, speak, organize, document uh, and be together? Uh, how do you want, you know, how do you want to to build like uh, a sane uh, civil society, a sane political uh, space uh, in there? So I think this is what we need from international community is to really start questioning their relationship with Israel, with a regime that's effectively, uh, you know, rogue and, and, and is violating, uh, you know, all kinds of, of, of uh, international um, uh, standards. And we're not asking double standards. We're just asking that Israel is held to the same standards as, as others. Yeah, I, I think that last the, that last point is key because you know for years the answer has been when when we talk about a lot of us talk about the problems inside with Israeli policy, 
you know, people say, well, but you're holding Israel to a different higher standard. The answer is no, Israel is demanding to be held to a different lower standard, right? In the rest of the world, if you say you can't do human rights reporting, people say, no, that, that, that's illiberal. I mean, it, it, Israel is insisting to be held to a lower standard than other, other countries that say that they're democratic and liberal. Um, the, Sarit, I wanna, we're gonna end, this is the last question. You guys, if you have any last words, you're certainly welcome to weigh in as, as a final thing, but I want you to, to weigh in on the same question, sort of what you, what, what Europe and the US in your view should say, must say, um, mm-hmm. if they care about the, the, the NGO sector at all. And I wanna throw in just as an aside, um, I think it was last year and the year before, we actually had one of the, the US um, pro-Israel lawfare organizations um, this was during the, during the end of the Trump era, actually raise a case with the U.S. government demanding that Black Lives Matter be treated as a terrorist organization because Black Lives Matter has ties to BDS and then making this, again, six degrees of terrorist contamination to actually go after a mainstream movement here in the U.S., right? So it's mm-hmm. this, 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 this kind of like the ball rolls down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger and captures more and more in it. Yeah, I mean... I, I- clear historically that Israel didn't invent this tactic of smearing, uh, you know, your critics and uh, and discrediting them and, and labeling them terrorists. Uh, it's happened in the past and uh, and certainly I think we could also learn from past experiences. But in any case, I want to connect to what Inez just said. Basically, um, I you know, I, I, uh, I second uh, the, the notion that dealing with this issue has uh, or, or is you know, part of the broader uh, um, thing we expect from the international community, which is to deal with Israel's occupation and apartheid regime, right? So we've been saying a lot um, when having conversations about uh, the shrinking space uh, environment in our context, which is primarily Palestinian and also Israeli organizations being targeted, that what we expect is actually the international community removing the reasons for the existence of Israel's human rights uh, groups that work on the occupation, right? Deal with the occupation. Don't just give us the kind of like coverage of support, Uh, but uh, certainly removing the underlying reasons why um, the these kind of like uh, Israel uh, Israeli occupation uh, uh, apologist groups are operating. They're silencing us because of in in order to perpetuate the occupation and the apartheid and the situation on the ground. So certainly the broader picture has to be in our minds uh, constantly. However, I do have some uh, specific comments on the issue itself, which is um, that I expect both the European Union and also the US government to make very clear statements rejecting this uh, kind of uh, terror labeling of human rights uh, defenders by Israel. In terms of a statement, I think I think the statement should uh, come both from the High Commissioner uh, Joseph Borrell, so from the European Union, and also from member states and those states affiliated uh, or that have a like-minded uh, attitude uh, with the European Union. Uh, I should also say that in the past, I've also my personal experience that it was that the European Union is actually quite happy to support human rights defenders and is much more willing to put political capital, to to spend political capital on defending us rather than, you know, kind of like uh, opposing Israeli policies that actually harm, you know, Palestinians' rights um, and uh, and impose an occupation and apartheid regime on Palestinians. So uh, let's see if that, even that basic uh, uh, request and expectation we have, which is a, a basic, a steadfast and a very 
a, a, a clear rejection uh, of this um, of these false accusations and of these actions needs to come from the highest levels of the EU, and I also would expect it to come from the highest levels of the US uh, government. Um, you know, in the past, uh, previous uh, high representatives uh, did issue a, a rejection of uh, the, one of the kind of previous incarnations of this, the, the terrorists in suits, or one of the um, uh, Ministry of Strategic Affairs um, reports accusing Palestinian organizations of various accusations, but I think we're on a very, very different level now. It's not enough to simply send uh, like an internal letter uh, to Israel. This needs to be a public statement. So this is just on the very basic level. Beyond that, we expect actions to be taken by the European Union when it comes to all of these organizations that are partly funded by uh, member states, by the Commission itself, on some uh, in, in some specific aspects, and we need, we want, we would like to see a very clear commitment to continue this funding and to also making sure that the funding can actually um, be utilized by these organizations because they're not going to be shut down or arrested. Uh, and then uh, again, I expect the diplomatic community, both uh, diplomats based here in Israel, so in, in Tel Aviv, where I am, but also in Ramallah, uh, so diplomats who represent their countries both in uh, both with, the, with Israel and with the Palestinian Authority, uh, to commit themselves to monitoring these actions, to, to uh, op opposing them, to being outspoken about their opposition, to allow um, Palestinian uh, human rights defenders freedom of movement, freedom of uh, you know freedom of association, basically, and to be willing to uh, also uh, deal with situations as they arise. So I would say those would be like basic uh, responses um, to this specific um, this specific action. It remains to be seen now what happens on the legal level. I mean, the, the Palestinian organizations have, you know, an ostensive uh, option to appeal this uh, designation. Uh, we know that uh, appealing anything against or appealing or doing any kind of legal uh, uh, work vis-a-vis -vis the Israeli, uh, 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 you know, the, the ICA, the ISA, the Israeli Security uh, uh, Agency is not uh, very uh, uh, beneficial or useful, uh, but there's an option of doing that. There's also an option of a high court petition. Um, but this, uh, you know, this remains to be seen. But I think that the essential thing is for a very, very swift and clear uh, commitment on behalf of the European Union uh, to not uh, simply get carried into uh, and, and, and follow blindly uh, this, uh, this smear uh, campaign by Israel. Thank you. Um, Ines, did you want to add anything? Maybe one last thing about like, I, I, I really also, I hope that this whole, you know, thing will not also lead uh, the US or the European Union to also pick and choose, you know, who's the, who has the right to be a human rights defender and who's not like, you know, anyone who's a health worker, a farmer, an activist, they're all under attack and they all deserve protection. So I think also try and avoid, you know, those labels of, you know, oh, you're a human rights defender, so you have right for protection, but not the others. I think we should also make sure that this is avoided in the future. I think that's very important. The, the thing that I, I'm, I keep repeating this, I'm going to repeat it one more time as we close, which is I think it is important that people understand when they look at this news and, and hear about it, 
is that the Israeli government is not alleging that any of these organizations are actually involved in, are supporting, are financing, are inciting, are engaging in terror. What they're doing is saying these organizations that do things that we don't like, we're going to, them, going to give them a label based on a, 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 a flimsy uh, six degrees of, of separation, guilt by association approach. And we're going to say all of the facts that they say are no longer relevant because we've labeled them as such. And at the end of the day, what really is important here are those facts, which is what you're both saying, I think. This is underlying, the underlying problem here is not today's announcement. The underlying problem here is the human rights violations. Um, and you know this announcement doesn't do anything to challenge that. And now, in a way, as what Inez said at the beginning, this is very effectively gonna suck a lot of energy and political capital away from drawing attention to and trying to end those human rights violations to trying to defend the very ability to document and talk about those human rights violations, um, which is just enormously frustrating and, and infuriating. So, sorry, do you want to add something? Yeah, I want to add one thing that is also related, I think, to the bigger picture, which is that these are human rights organizations working in Ramallah or in Hebron, uh, Nablus, Palestinian towns, in uh, obviously in Area C as well, but within Palestinian society. Um, I should add that uh, I think the Palestinian human rights sector is incredible and, and the way that people are dealing with uh, the difficulties of um, living under you know, both the PA and the Israeli occupation is just incredible. But uh, these are Palestinians who ostensibly, supposedly, are under the control of the Palestinian Authority. So the fact that Israel can simply act uh, in a way that will uh, negate uh, any kind of uh, control relevance that the Palestinian Authority has to the uh, work of civil society in Palestine is quite indicative of the total Israeli control over the Palestinians that was just kind of ex exemplified this week when Israel decided to provide this wonderful, I'm being sarcastic, goodwill um, gesture and, uh, uh, and, and improve the status, the, the residency status of a, a few hundred Palestinians or, and allow a few other hundred Palestinians to uh, change their uh, residency from uh, Gaza to the West Bank. So, because Israel controls all of the Palestinian population uh, um, registry. So, this is simply another example of how pervading and total uh, Israeli control of Palestinians is. I mean, pal these Palestinian organizations work uh, within, uh, are controlled to some degree in a probably a problematic way, right? By or not controlled, I mean, are, are, have to deal with, uh, uh, with checks, with tests, uh, operate within uh, Palestinian Authority law. And that's just simply completely irrelevant when Israel decides to, um, to deal with or to, to simply brush them aside and try and shut them down. Thanks, all right, so that's, this is so great. We're gonna stop there. Um, this has been amazing. I, I am so grateful for both of you for the work you do every day. And, and I'm personally grateful for you joining me again on incredibly short notice um, to deal with this alarming development. Um, for our audience, uh, thanks for listening and watching. Um, we, I believe, will be doing a podcast next week on this same topic with some other experts. So keep an eye out for an announcement of that. And as always, I wanna remind people to subscribe to the Occupied Thoughts podcast. Um, you can do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. That way you won't miss any of the great content that we are posting constantly um, because there's just so much to post about. 
Um, and you can also find the podcast and a video of it on our website, www.fmep.org. And with that, uh, we will sign off for this Friday, October 22nd. Thank you again, Sari Inez. I'm Laura Friedman, president of the Foundation for Middle East Peace, signing off until the next episode of Occupied Thoughts.